So starting last week and this week and the next two weeks, we're going through my favorite book in all of the sacred scriptures, chapter six of the Gospel of John. And unlike some of the other uh, gospels, excuse me, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they have a scene at the end of the gospel, right before Jesus died, describing the Last Supper. The Gospel of John does not have that scene. So this is really where we see from the beloved disciple his teaching on the Mass, his teaching on the Eucharist. So we're going to be talking about the Mass the next few weeks. All of us here at the, at the parish, Monsignor, Father Sarmiento, Father Ganella, and myself, will be talking about different aspects of the Mass. And this first week, we're going to be talking about why do we go to Mass? What is Mass? We know that it's really the most important part of our week, but how much time do we actually spend thinking about what's going on at the Mass? Why is it here? Why is it not in the mountains and God's cathedrals or in the woods where we can experience nature? But no, it's here in this church. Why do we come here? And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And the first thing I'd like to sort of get us in the mindset of thinking is think of a great uh, get-together with family and friends. Maybe it's an anniversary or a birthday. These great occasions that we celebrate something. Any child knows that the best day of the year is their birthday. When family and friends get together, you get presents, you have a good meal, you laugh, all of these things. Birthdays are a great day. Anniversaries. If you don't show up for your anniversary or remember it, someone's going to be in trouble on either party and it's probably, you know, the wives don't forget those things. You know what I'm talking about. But the point is, what are we remembering when we come to Mass on Sundays? What are we renewing every single time we go to Mass? But most importantly, on Sunday. But the fact is that our Lord rose from the dead. Over 2,000, just about 2,000 years ago, our Lord died on a cross on Friday, and on Sunday, he conquered death. And every Sunday, it's a new Easter. Every Sunday, we remember the fact that our Lord did this amazing thing. He conquered death. And the reason he did that was he created us, and we broke that relationship through sin. And right away, God the Father was said, okay, how can we set up this plan, this divine history of salvation, to allow us to come back into relationship with Christ? So he sent his only son, he died on the cross, and then boom, Easter, Christ rose from the dead. This amazing thing. So that's why we have it on Sunday, this special day. And the reason we don't, you know, go into our backyard, some of us, you know, very beautiful woods in the backyard maybe, and you can say, oh, it's such a prayerful experience. Or, you know, I could be on the golf course on Sunday morning, and it's a very beautiful experience. Well, my golf game's not a beautiful experience, but maybe yours is. But you can experience God in nature. But no, we come to church. We come here with our brothers and sisters in Christ to build each other up because at Mass, we receive the Eucharist. And that's what John 6 is talking about, the Eucharist, the bread of life, this understanding that we have this nourishment this spiritual nourishment that comes from the Eucharist. And we see a little bit of that in the first reading in Exodus, which is sort of a, for, a foreshadowing of our own relationship with Christ, our own coming back and our spiritual journey that the Jewish people in Egypt, they were enslaved for hundreds of years. And God sent Moses to pull them out of Egypt. And all these amazing things took place and Moses pulls the Egyptians, they go out into the desert, 
He's taking them to the promised land. That's a great thing. You think after hundreds of years, they'd be very excited to no longer have to work for their masters, but they miss it for a few small things, right? They're like, oh, we're going to starve out here. We have nothing to eat. You've taken us out here to die. If we could only just go back to our flesh pots, what is that? But just the short fleeting pleasures that they had of at least being able to eat some food. They were enslaved, but they'd rather go back to that. That's the same way with us, with sin. Sin affects our life. It enslaves us. It pulls us down. And as we all try to say no, as we all try to say yes to Christ, and we come together to be strengthened by him, it can be difficult. We can look at the sin in our lives, that it, whatever is our own temptation, our own addictions, and it's like, oh man, if I could just go back. If you talk to anyone who struggled with addiction, they know that that process of recovery, that process of freedom, there's those temptations to say, if at least I could just have one drink, or if at least I could just go back to whatever it was that kept me happy for a short while. But our Lord, with the Jewish people, he gave them bread from heaven. He sent quail in this manna from the desert. And the word manna comes from the Jewish word, what essentially is, you know, what is it? What, what is it? This, this dew on the ground that becomes bread that we can eat. The foreshadowing of the Eucharist. This understanding that when the bread and the water and the wine will be brought forward with the gifts, it's obviously not enough food to keep our bodies going. It's not going to keep us going through a hot day like this. So that little wafer that we receive, the Eucharist, it's not to allow our organs to function, but it feeds us spiritually. It gives us the opportunity to grow spiritually, which is so much more important than anything else. If our soul is dead, what's the point? You could be Mr. Universe. If your soul is dead, Life's not worth living. The fact is that when we come to Mass, when we're here together, this is what gives us the ability to keep going. This is what gives us the ability to continue to say yes to Christ. One of my favorite Catholic novels, it started off sort of implicitly Catholic, but grew more explicit as it went on, The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. A part of that I'm going to geek out here for a little bit. I love all that stuff, Marvel and Lord of the Rings. But the whole point of it, if, you, if you're not familiar with it, was this ring of power, which sort of represents sin, has to be going back to its original source to be destroyed. So there's this whole adventure and a group of people, and some of them represent Christ and some of them represent us. They go to conquer sin. They go to to allow ourselves to have that freedom. And you can kind of see just like uh, the Israelites, just like us, we're trying to get away from sin and become the saints that Christ is calling us to be. And we're on this, when they're on this journey, the fellowship of the ring, dwarves and elves and men and wizards, and they're all on this journey, they get this food from the elves, this lambness bread, this little thing wrapped in leaves. And one little bite of this lambness bread would keep them going for days. It would fill them up. And the reason that they had this in, in, the, in the Lord of the Rings, it was a symbol of the Eucharist, this understanding that this one little bite of our Lord keeps us going and allows us to stay away from temptation, allows us to stay away from evil and to say yes to Christ. This opportunity that we have to come together, to go back and say, where did it all begin? Our Lord created us, 
and we ruin that relationship through sin, but it's not over. He gave us his son. He died on the cross. And what is the mass but the unbloody renewal of the sacrifice on Calvary? That when we come into this church, we are no longer in St. Charles when Father Sarmiento here in a little bit will be making this miracle take place. Every time we go to mass, it's a miracle that the bread and wine brought forth becomes the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we can say, yes, the Lord is everywhere. He created everything. He keeps us in existence. But just as we would say he was more so present when he walked on earth 2,000 years ago, that presence is in the Eucharist. The miracle will take place. And then we receive our Lord and he becomes one with us. That relationship, that union between us and our Lord is so beautiful when we come to Mass and we receive the Eucharist. We remember that sacrifice on Calvary. We do not redo the sacrifice, but God being outside of time, we go back 2,000 years and we're there at the foot of the cross. And that act that saved us, that crucifixion, is renewed. That grace that allows each and every one of us to hope for, for heaven, to hope for paradise, is renewed. So over these next couple weeks, as we come to the end of summer, they're hot, we're inside, it's more reflective days, we're in between baseball seasons of summer ball or fall ball or whatever, different sports were going on. Spend some time thinking about the Mass. With your family, with your friends, read chapter 6 of the Gospel of John. Go through it. Ask yourself, what is our Lord saying here? If there's any aspect, this is the most literal aspect our Lord is talking about, and we're going to go through it these next couple of weeks. It's, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And that longing that each and every one of us have, we're all longing for something. People go to India to find themselves. People go to college to get experiences and all these different things. They're looking. They travel the world. They learn languages. They're looking for Christ. And he's right here. He's right here in the Eucharist. That whatever you could experience, whatever you could allow yourself to grow, cannot be matched by the reception of the Eucharist. So it's such a beautiful thing to be here with you on this Sunday morning and allow yourself to rest with our Lord. Allow yourself to be renewed. Allow yourself to have that strength to go forward and to be the Christian you're called to be, to be the saint you're called to be.